All good. I'll start at 20, okay? Yep. Welcome pod. You said 20. Yeah, mine's at 25 now. 26. Mine's 25. at 15. All right, starting four. Do it again. Welcome pod. Welcome back in to TCM Pod. Chris Mathis, Spencer Mathis. Glad to be back here with you guys after having, what, a little bit over a week off after Thanksgiving. And we're now back at it. We got a lot to get into regarding the NFL. Also, college football playoff rankings as well, which, unbelievable. I, I don't know exactly how you feel about that, Spence. I know we definitely need to get into that because, you know, here at DAE in Tampa, it's been going nuts with that conversation. And if you're just a casual football or college fan, I think even you – we want to hear from you guys as well. You guys can weigh in on this also. But real quick, let's get right into that, obviously. Kind of a, a little bit of a 12-6 curveball right there, Spence. But um, top four teams are out. Washington, Michigan, obviously Alabama and Texas, the top four heading to the college football playoff. Georgia lost to Alabama over the weekend in the SEC title game. Georgia's out of the picture. Undefeated FSU ACC champion. They're out of the picture. They're at home. And Texas, who – Beat Alabama, gave Alabama their only loss. They're in it in place of either Florida State and or Georgia, if you made that argument. So I think it's a bit frustrating. I don't think that it was based off the four best teams. Um, I think it was more so of what they felt was going to bring in the most revenue in a way without having two teams from the SEC. That's my personal opinion. I think there were two different ways that you could have done this. You could have had it the exact same way it is now, but replace. Texas and Florida State or have Georgia in there instead of Texas. And uh, that's my thought. I know two SEC teams, that would have brought a lot of money too. And I still believe that, you know, even though Georgia lost to Alabama, I still think that overall Georgia has been and is still the best team in the country for sure. Yeah, my thoughts on this is the result of this is the same result of a bulldog breeding with a shih tzu. Um, <laughs> catch my drift. Yeah, I think yeah. it's malarkey right now because – how can a team go 13-0 in a Power 5 conference, the ACC? Every single year, the top team from the ACC, or at least if they've been good enough to make it to the playoffs, have made it in. If you win the ACC championship, there's a good chance that you're in the playoffs, especially at 13-0. It, it just doesn't make any sense if you're Florida State to be left out of this. And then the same thing goes with looking back at Clemson, what, two or three years ago, whenever they were the top dogs, they were making it each and every year. Of course, they had Trevor Lawrence. They always had a really good quarterback. The Florida State quarterback went down. But with how good the Florida State defense is, I think that, th that this is just a travesty for them to leave Florida State or the committee to leave Florida State out of the playoffs because they could have competed with Michigan. They could have beat Michigan just based off their defense. We saw TCU defeat Michigan last year in the, uh, in the semifinal of the playoffs. So for people that make the argument that if Florida State were to get in to the playoffs right now, it would be the same result as TCU last season – that's not a bad thing. They wouldn't give up 60 points in the national championship, regardless of who they go against. Alabama is overrated. They beat Georgia by three points. That somehow raises them four up. And they had a huge loss to Texas, a number three team. And they're in the playoffs because they beat Georgia. Somehow they come up four, and the loss by Georgia moves them back five. I mean, obviously, some of these victories um, against top schools for Georgia were lacking this year. They didn't, they really had a, a cupcake schedule. And that was, I don't know if it's their fault. I don't know if it was the schedule makers themselves. I know that, I know that each school makes some of the games themselves, maybe all of the games. So it could have been a fault on Georgia, but they have a tough schedule next year. But this year, I don't think they played enough good schools and the loss. Of course, I think 
was maybe good enough to put them at five, but I don't think Alabama should have risen four points for beating a Georgia team that had played maybe a handful of, of ranked teams this season in the top 15. Because looking back over at Florida State, they beat number number 13 or 14 at Louisville in the ACC championship. Louisville had one of the best offenses in college football out of the Power Five programs, and they had the best offense in the ACC, and that was the ACC championship. They were averaging 30 points per game, over 400 yards per game, and Florida State shuts them down. They had their quarterback throw for just over 100 yards, mm-hmm. and they scored six points, and that's good enough to somehow drop Florida State a ranking and push Alabama up four rankings for beating number one Georgia by three points. I mean, okay, I understand if Alabama were to go out there and they were to pummel Georgia, I could foresee them coming up four points from number eight to number four. Instead, they get a three-point victory. They squeak it out. You look back at the game. You look at all the bad calls against Georgia in that game. I'm not a Georgia truther, but I've seen the videos. They forgot. They didn't review a pass that was obviously dropped on fourth down. A couple of plays later, Alabama touchdown. They called a horse collar on a third down for Georgia. That gave Alabama a free first down. I, mean, I thought that was a good call. I thought that was a good call. His right hand, his right hand was right there. It was just enough. That thumb was just inside the, the collar. I get it, but they also reviewed, they actually reviewed that penalty. So how they review the first, they don't review the incomplete pass, and then they review that penalty, and they still go with that as a horse collar. But in the definition of the rule books, that's not a horse collar. I've seen it all over Twitter. They were showing what the what the ruling of a horse collar is in terms of the layman's term. Um, for college football and their playoff rankings and stuff or whatever, their their referee stuff, you know. But for Georgia to move back five from number one to number six, Alabama to move up four, and then you're going to leave out a 13-0 and team from the playoffs just because they beat the best ACC offense and gave up only six points to them. I just – it makes no sense to me. They had six sacks. They have, pro- they have at least two first-round picks on that Florida State defense versus going top ten now. I mean, if you saw that game – that guy is going to be a hell of a pass rusher at the next level. First round pick, hands down. And I'm not sure why you don't just want to put them in. They could play Michigan and they could beat Michigan. And Texas and Texas and Washington, Washington has a good offense, but Florida State's defense could shut him down. Rodemaker has experience. He would have been playing in the next game. They could have put up 28 points on the next opponent and they would have won any game. They would have beat Michigan. Michigan's offense is absolutely Michigan's offense is terrible. And they also have had all these allegations against them. I don't think they're going anywhere. They're a first round out to Alabama, who I think is a good team, still not a top four team. Obviously, like you said at the beginning of this podcast, it was that this they're looking for the best matchups. No, they're looking for the most money. They're they're scared of the Alabama fans. If they were to leave Alabama out of the playoffs, think of what these fans are going to do to the college football playoff committee's houses. They're going to dox their house. They're going to swath their house. <laughs> these guys are crazy people. And that's one of the reasons they put them in. And then you look at the committee. 60-year-old white men everywhere. These guys have grown up with football back in the day whenever football teams were scoring 10 points. So for them to leave out a Florida State defense that's one of the best we've seen in a couple of years and the best defense remaining in this playoffs, maybe Michigan's right there with them, but Florida State is great. To leave them out based off of some 60-year-old guys that have been watching defense, have been rooting for defense, don't care about the offense, to put in Alabama at number four over an undefeated Florida State I think is just absolute bullcrap, and it's going to suck. The first round of playoffs, you have Alabama, you have Michigan. I think Michigan was out regardless of who they play. They'll be done. And then you have Texas and you have Washington. Washington's a pretender. Michael Penix is good. He's been in college football. What is he, 23, 24 years old? I mean, I don't even know. I don't think that guy's even a first-round pick, in my opinion. He seems a little bit behind on all of his throws, and he's going to get beat in that first round in the semifinal by Texas. And then 
the college football playoff committee is going to get exactly what they wanted out of this. They're going to get a Texas versus Alabama final. And that's, that's exactly what they wanted. That's why they moved 13 and 0 Florida state. I get why a lot of people are saying, Hey, this is, this is justified. This is okay. Maybe for the game, if you're looking for a high scoring game, that's going to be the national championship. And both these teams are going to hang probably 30 points on each other's head, maybe 35 each. And it's going to come down to the wire. So they were looking for the game. Like you said, that would bring in the most money and step on the least amount of toes because these guys don't care about the ACC. It's been a thing forever. And Florida State is eventually going to have to get out of the ACC. If based off of what they did this year, how they played this year, doesn't get them in, in a four-man playoff, obviously it's a 12-man next year, but their schedule is going to be tougher. And I think it's it's just a travesty to leave them out in the final year that we've ever seen of a, four, of a, of a four-team playoff. I think that's just stupid, and I think Florida State should have been in. Yeah, I mean, when I think about this and how it all had really played out, I don't really have any issue with the fact that Alabama got in because they did just beat the best team in the country in the SEC title game. I think they should have been there. I don't necessarily believe that Georgia should have dropped as they did. I do think they should have been in the college football playoff, but that would have been two SEC teams, which technically moving forward starting next year, Texas is an SEC team. So in a way, practically two SEC teams, but this will all be a thing of the past next season. They'll have 12 but with that being said, as we all know, there's still going to be some teams on the outside looking in that are thinking, oh, we got left out. We need 16 teams or, oh, we not, need 20. Not anywhere on this on this magnitude ever again because the 12th team next year could have three losses heading into the playoffs. Yeah, no, I, I think maybe two losses. I think maybe they could have two losses, and, and we'll have to see it all plays out. But very interesting. Again, I do believe it'll be Alabama and Texas in the title game. And I'm going to take Alabama to win it all. I'm writing that down here. It's early first week of December. We'll see how that all shakes out. But you know what? Transitioning now and continuing with football uh, around the NFL, a lot of injuries have not only happened to skilled players, but most of all, more importantly, quarterbacks throughout this season. And you know what? There's been some changes that are allegedly going to be made to the game with the hip drop tackle potentially getting banned from the NFL, which I don't know how you could do that. I know we talked about this a little while ago, Spence, but – if you do that, there's obviously no head hunting anymore. Or if you do, you're going to get suspended, as we saw with Jackson there for the Broncos a couple of times this year, Kareem Jackson. But also, on top of that, there's no way to bring these guys down. You can't legally do that if you take away the hip drop tackle. And I understand that people are going to get hurt, but that's what happens whenever you're willing to sacrifice and take away the high hits, the potential for players leaving their feet and hitting helmet to helmet, which I understand. But you can't take this aspect away as well. And you know, this wasn't necessarily a hip drop tackle, but Monday Night Football, we saw Trevor Lawrence take on the great Cincinnati Bengal quarterback. No, it's not Joe Burrow. Yes, it was Jake Browning who showed out on Monday night and led his Bengals to a victory in Jacksonville. Upset fashion, he balled out. Of course, he has Jamar Chase, but a bit of a shocker there. But Trevor Lawrence goes down high ankle sprain. And then the laundry list of, of quarterbacks and their injuries Goes on and on, Spence. I mean, we're talking what? We've got, of course, Joe Burrow we just talked about, Daniel Jones. Who are some other guys that I'm missing here that have been injured at the quarterback position this year? Just off the top of your head. Yeah, there's nine starters that have that have been taken out for the rest of this year or have missed substantial time. I'm going to blank on a couple, but Kirk Cousins, Deshaun Watson, like you mentioned, Daniel Jones, Joe Burrow's out for the year. Aaron Rodgers, the first couple of plays of the season was out for the year. There's a couple of other guys that are starting tier quarterbacks. Anthony Richardson was out early this year. And it, it seems like for the most part, a lot of these are non-contact injuries that we're seeing. Um, mostly, like you said, before you segued into this topic, skill position players were mostly the, the type of players 
Now we're getting these non-contact injuries like like Trevor Lawrence did last night. He was the sixth one that I wanted to mention, like you just said. But, I mean, a ton of injuries this year in a year that quarterbacks have been underperforming. This season, the, yeah. the top leading passer in terms of yards is C.J. Stroud. And your number one passer in terms of touchdowns this year is Dak Prescott. He has 26 passing touchdowns with five weeks to go, which is just pretty insane for Dak Prescott, who before this year was being written off. And even Jerry Jones seemed like he was looking for maybe if he had a another subpar season, he was going to move on from him. But, I mean, the number two passing yard guy is Sam Howell, who's just basically Jameis Winston from 2019 all over again. 18 touchdowns, 14 interceptions for that guy. Two of 24 and 10. Um, Dak Prescott, like I mentioned, 26 and 6, probably one of the best ratios out of the top quarterbacks. And then Josh Allen, 24 and 13. A lot of interceptions mm-hmm. this year from these quarterbacks. A lot of mistakes. And I think it's based off of how the game is being played at the quarterback position now. There's not any pocket passers left in the league. I mean, go back to 10 years ago, you have Tom Brady, pocket passer, Phillip Rivers, pocket passer, Drew Brees, pocket passer, and hey, one other one, Ben Roethlisberger, pocket passer. So hey, these guys. Yeah, Peyton Manning as well. These guys, even Eli Manning, these guys were sitting in the pocket. They were delivering dimes. And I think that was better football than what we have today. Now we see quarterbacks running around, getting injured often. And Lamar Jackson, obviously, he missed a ton of time last season. He's been fine this year, but you never know. So with with the new way that quarterbacks are running around and having to be as athletic as some of these skill position guys, I think this is what's causing a lot of these injuries. And it's also causing a lot of bad football play. There's another quarterback that was injured all of last season and for most of this season. And he is again, a scrambling quarterback. So, I mean, quarterback play I over the last, what, five years right now is at an all time low. And it could be because Tom Brady and Rogers are playing this year. Those guys led the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns yep. for a good part of the last four or five years. And guess what? Pocket passing quarterbacks, these guys that run around all the time are going to continue to get injured. And Joe Burrow is on that level too, because he may be a pocket passer, but that guy's got some great athleticism as well, and he gets injured sometimes because of that. And this year, he's out for the rest of the year for a uh, a hand injury that I guess really couldn't yeah, be prevented. Yeah, which is something that happens a good amount of the time. But like I was saying, a lot of these quarterbacks are going down, and in a season where passing hasn't been great in the NFL and overall offense is just down in general, I think it comes down to how these quarterbacks are running around now. They're kind of they're basically just backyard playmakers at this point. And I think it's going to hurt the game moving forward. And look at the draft coming up. Who do we have? We have a ton of guys that can run around, and they're not very big either. I mean, you have um, you have the quarterback from LSU and Jaden Daniels. You have Drake May, probably the closest to a pocket passer. I think he's going to be very successful in the NFL. You have Caleb, Caleb Williams, Williams, who is probably, out of all of these, the guiltiest of, of being a quarterback who's just a playmaking quarterback, who's going to have a lot of injuries in his NFL career, and whoever drafts him first overall – is going to see that, and they're going to have to deal with that. But that's just how the game is progressing right now. And I think for the NFL, that's the worst possible case scenario because tackling is becoming more and more illegal in the NFL. And if they continue to be producing these these athletic quarterbacks, I think it's going to be hurtful for the NFL moving forward. And I think the trend is just going to continue going in the way it is, is that these guys are just going to be athletic and maybe eventually on the receivers' levels of athleticism. And I think it's going to hurt the league in terms of, are you going to be able to have a quarterback that has longevity. And this year, I think we're seeing for the first time, a lot of these guys are going down. Of course, Kirk Cousins is a pocket passing quarterback, but tons of injuries, bad quarterback play, bad offense. And I think a lot of it comes down to the new quarterback style of play. Yeah. And also when we look at the scoring output this season as well, one of the lowest scoring outputs, I believe in recent years for the NFL, when it comes to the offense, which again, comes back to quarterback play 
And on top of all of this, you have to sit there and think, hey, this, this game, this NFL that we see today is catered to the quarterback, to protecting the quarterback. Of course, it protects other players as well, but nobody is protected like the quarterbacks are in today's NFL. So for all these injuries to come about, it just kind of baffles me because, yes, these guys are having to move around in the pocket a bit more, but most of these injuries aren't happening aren't happening downfield. It seems that they're happening within the pocket, or you know, five, ten yards downfield, or you know, running east and west. But nothing crazy. It's not like you're getting a guy running forty yards down the field. He's getting lit up, you know, by a safety or getting hocked down by a defensive back or a linebacker. These guys are simply in the wrong place at allegedly the right time, if you will, and boom, they get injured or they have a lineman wrap up, or I should say, roll up on one of their ankles, as we saw with Trevor Lawrence. And then on top of Trevor's injury, he fell back and rolled on top of his ankle that he already, you know, just had rolled up. So it's just frustrating to see all of this. And it does have to do with quarterback play. And I'm not sure if they just feel so protected that they feel like they can get out and do things and be okay. And then these injuries are happening. But it is something to look out for and something that we definitely had to make mention of because. You know, it is getting old, and you see the next wave of college quarterbacks that are upcoming, and you think, hey, you know what? These guys continue to get more versatile. They continue to get more playmate. Like the Patrick Mahomes, I don't know if there's going to be anybody. I've seen comparisons of Caleb Williams to Patrick Mahomes. That That's like saying Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes are on the same level. Patrick Mahomes is a freak, but as far as him being right here right now compared to the GOAT, is still ridiculous to this day, in my personal opinion. Um, but on top of that, you look at Caleb Williams, they're comparing him as a playmaker to Patrick Mahomes, and that's great and all, but in all reality, how many guys can truly do what Patrick Mahomes does? And he's starting to see some injuries here and there. Now, nothing too crazy, but he's been suffering some high ankle sprains, I believe, and has been tweaked a little bit more so than ever, which just doesn't add up to me. So, you know, one quarterback matchup where, again, injury to quarterback – uh, Baker Mayfield, he had a, an ankle issue that came up a few weeks ago on a quarterback sneak right there against the Indianapolis Colts. He was good to go. He ended up playing that next game, as we saw in Tampa this past weekend against the Carolina Panthers, in which the Panthers fell short. The one win, Carolina Panthers came up short. Uh, Steven, obviously a huge fan of the Panthers. I think he expected them to lose that game. I kind of, as a Buccaneer fan, and I was able to join uh, the sports radio station there in Charlotte, on Sunday, kind of as a Buccaneer insider and gave my insight on the Bucs and kind of a look behind enemy lines. And I said, even though the Carolina Panthers are so terrible, this Bucs team is nothing to go ride home about it and talk about how good this team is. I was still a bit worried, and I wasn't shocked if the Bucs came up short to the Panthers. But Baker Mayfield played through what was an ankle injury a little bit over a week ago. He was fine, but it seems as if he's not rolling out as much as he was in which the Bucs had success early this season, and they went 3-1. and one. So huge game here uh, this week as we kick off the Week 14 of the NFL season as the Bucs will take on the Atlanta Falcons there in Atlanta, Spence, near your neck of the woods. Six win, Atlanta Falcons top of the NFC South take on the five win, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now earlier this season, I know it sounds crazy, six wins get you first place as of right now in this division, but the Bucs fell short at home 16-13 to late October. A game in which Desmond Ritter coughed up the football a few times and the Buccaneer offense just could not capitalize on the turnover. So this is a huge game. And, you know, this is one of those games as if the Buccaneers, if they were to lose, you kind of push them out of the race for the NFC South. And then is it time for Kyle Trask? And that's what some rumors afloat here in the Tampa Bay area. Pat Donovan with WDAE, he says that if the Bucs were to lose, 
it's Kyle Trask time here in Tampa. So anyway, huge matchup here on Sunday. Obviously, we'll give our predictions here with all the Week 14 games, but kind of want to preface this game in particular because a lot of our audience being right here in Tampa Bay with me and up there in Georgia with you. Yeah, exactly. Looking at these two quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield, Desmond Ritter, both guys that have dealt with injury. Baker Mayfield hasn't missed a game this season. He suffered through that high ankle sprain um, last week against the Indianapolis Colts. And in the next game, he played against the Panthers. Looked really bad against Carolina. Threw an interception the very next drive he came in against the Colts. And then Desmond Ritter, concussion. He was out two games. Maybe it had been benched as well for Taylor Heineke. And both these quarterbacks are, I think Baker Mayfield's obviously better than Ritter, but in terms of where they are, in terms of ranking in the top 32, Mayfield's probably right around 15, 16, and Ritter's around the 20-something mark. So it's not going to be a pretty matchup. And obviously that Falcons defense is very good. They just came off the New York Jets, though, so I think any offense is going to be a lot better than New York than the New York Jets offense. The Bucks offense, though, last time they played, just 13 points. Like you said, Baker Mayfield struggled in that game. He's got to have a comeback game, and this is, again, the most important game of the season for him because with those rumors coming out of Tampa right now that Kyle Trask could be the quarterback in terms of Tank City and Tampa Bay um, if they were to lose to Atlanta this week in Atlanta, which is a very fathomable thing and very easy to happen, which – most likely will happen if you're a Buccaneer fan. You probably know that. But, again, this is a huge game for Baker Mayfield, but it's not a good time for him to run into that Falcons defense because they're one of the top ten defenses in the NFL. Jesse Bates leads the league in interceptions for safeties. They've got a good defensive line right now. They've got a good linebacking core. They've got a good secondary in general, and it's going to be tough for, for Baker Mayfield coming off a really bad game last week where I think – I don't even think he can, he completed 50% of his passes in that game. I think it was like 14 for 30. Uh, Mike Evans really carried in that one. What Evans had probably 75% of the receiving yards that Baker Mayfield threw in that game, which is insane. So it's going to come down to Mike Evans having a big game. And the good thing for the Buccaneers is that Mike Evans, so far in his career, has absolutely burned, toasted, destroyed A.J. Terrell um, through the first three or four matchups that they've had together since Terrell's been in the league for two or three years now. So that'll be a good thing for the Bucs. But Mayfield has got to stop throwing off his back foot. That interception he threw – um, looking for Mike Evans, who was wide open if he just led him down the field on a streak. Would have been another 60-something-yard touchdown, and he just heaved it up off his back foot. That can't happen in this game. And Baker Mayfield right now on a four-game interception streak. It's going to continue on Sunday, and I have the Buccaneers losing in this one. We may see our boy Kyle Trash coming in, and a lot of Gator fans can finally rejoice in Tampa. Wow. Okay, there we go. Spence Mathis. Spencer Mathis right here right now on TCM Pod says that the Buccaneers will fall short to the Atlanta Falcons and Atlanta. This is a huge game, and if the Buccaneers were to lose this game, I know they still have some division games, of course, still left against Carolina, another one against the Saints as well, but then you really look at yourself and you're outside the playoff picture at that point. You're not even in the race at that point, um, and, and it really is all interesting because you look at the NFC South and the Saints and their quarterback situation. Derek Carr, another quarterback that not only is banged up right now, but has been banged up earlier this season too. It's Jameis Winston time more than likely now in New Orleans, at least for this week, if I were to guess. But again, you know, Mike Evans had a phenomenal game. First wide receiver in NFL history to have 10 straight 1,000-yard seasons to start off your career and also 10 straight seasons to have 60 or more pass catches to start off your NFL career. So the guy is absolute money. We talk about money, Manziel. There's a video that uh, our mom shared to social media of me back in, what, 2014 NFL draft when I got mad that the Bucks took Mike Evans over Johnny Manziel. I threw my hat down in frustration. Now I eat my words and I own it because I was totally wrong there. 
and I was hoping that we would get a franchise quarterback. But looking back at it, we got a franchise wide receiver that, you know, for the right price should stay in Tampa Bay. But I just don't know if the Bucs can afford that with Antoine Winfield Jr. and Tristan Wirfs and their contracts on the horizon. And unless you get a rookie quarterback in that kind of deal and move on from Baker Mayfield, who also, you know, he's only making $4 million right now, but he's deserving of a bigger contract. I'm not saying 20 but I think he's more deserving of maybe a 10 to $13 million contract. He could be a starter. You look at Jameis Winston, who's very familiar here in the Bay Area and the NFC South. He makes eight to sit on the bench there in New Orleans. So that kind of gives you something to build upon and, and kind of a measuring stick there uh, for Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers. So without further ado, Spence, I, I, I think that, you know, what do you feel about Mike Evans? Do you think that he's going to come back here in Tampa Bay? Do you think that they'll find an agreement or is he simply too expensive at the wrong time because Chris Godwin is going to make 20 next year. Antoine Winfield Jr. will be a top three paid uh, safety in the NFL. Tristan Wirfs is either going to get franchise tagged or he'll be the first or second highest paid left tackle in the league. Yeah, I've always wanted the Buccaneers to win. I've always wanted them to be in the playoffs. You know, they've been oh, in the last no. three years. They have Todd Bowles as the head coach. He needs to go. And luckily for the Bucs this year, in terms of not having to pay this guy is that Devin White absolutely sucks. You don't have to pay him top-tier money that he wanted during the offseason whenever he was holding out. You were thinking maybe he's going to have his best season in a contract year. Turns around, has his worst season. So now all you got to do, you got to pay Antoine Winfield, and you got to pay Tristan Wirfs, and then hopefully you pray that you can have enough money left over for Mike Evans, and this year may be the year that you kind of have to uh, franchise tag Antoine Winfield. But for the Bucks' sake, the best possible case scenario for them right now, if they want to keep Mike Evans – is to just go out there on Sunday and lay an egg in Atlanta. <laughs> move on from Todd Bowles. They could put Kyle Trask in. I hope he's not the future. I really do. Not, I can tell you he's him. not the future. But I don't want him to be the quarterback next year, even if he goes out there and lights it up. I want him to go out there. I want him to lose games. I think the Buccaneers expect that if they were to put him in because the guy's obviously not a leader. And like you were talking about with the contract, if you – if you don't have to pay Devin White, which is already the fact, you're not paying that guy anything, and now you get rid of a $4 million contract that would probably turn into 12 to $13 million next season, like you were saying, to what, a couple million dollars for a rookie quarterback? I mean, I think best-case scenario is the Bucks end up with a top-six pick in the draft, and they just keep losing. And it's not going to be hard for them to lose a couple of more games this season. They've got the Falcons on the docket. Then they've got the Jaguars. They've got the Saints. Green Bay. You got the Packers who are going to beat them, and they've got one other game in there in Carolina that they could pro that they probably probably win. Um, I do believe that may be the last game of the season, though. So you never know what Carolina wants to do um, with the fact that they don't have the number one overall pick, even though they are the, the worst team in the NFL. Um, for the Bucks' sake, I mean, if they if they go out there in the first half and they suck, but they're within the game within seven points, I'm hoping they lose the game because Todd Bowles does not need to be the head coach. And I want to see Mike Evans be a Buccaneer for his entire NFL career. Obviously, it's a tough thing for receivers to do nowadays because I think the last hope was probably Devontae Adams to stay together um, in Green Bay for all those years, and he even left. I think Mike Evans is probably the longest tenured player at the receiver position by a team that drafted him in some time. Ten years for Mike Evans in Tampa, I want to see at least 13 uh, for big number 13 in Tampa. And I want him to continue his 1,000-yard streak, and I don't think that Todd Bowles should be the coach next year. And I want a different quarterback other than Baker Mayfield if Mayfield's contract goes up to $13 million. So, my opinion, if you're the Bucs Sunday, lose the game. Lose all the games you can if at halftime you're losing in that one. 
That's well, it. you know what? I think your and I perspective on the Bucks games has changed over the years, and uh, it, it's a bummer because we never wanted to lose. But I don't want them to tank. I just if they do what they're doing now and win every couple of games, they're going to be in a good spot. Hey, yeah, they, they really. It's not like they even have to try to lose because they've yeah. won two out of the last eight games. Continue what you're doing right now. You don't, may not even have to put in Kyle Trask and cause some dilemma. Yep, just exactly. Stick with Baker Mayfield. Let him end up with 30 touchdowns somehow. Let Mike Evans end up with 1,500 yards and 13 touchdowns by Mayfield, just throwing it up to him. And the Bucks hopefully end with seven wins maximum. Hopefully yeah, six. And also on top of that, with the Bucks, you know, if you bench Baker Mayfield, he doesn't want to come back next year. So not only is it you bench him just because, other than trying Kyle Trask, but if you bench him, he will not be back in Tampa next year, even if he is really your only option, unless you do roll with Kyle Trask at quarterback. But now moving into our NFL picks for this week. Thursday night football, it's week 14 as we kick off the Patriots and the Steelers there in Pittsburgh. The Steelers, six-point favorites. Trubisky versus Bailey Zappi. Uh, Give me the Steelers in a game that I don't think anyone's going to be turning on. Yeah, Steelers by far, and I think they definitely win by six. They have to. I know Kenny Pickett, I believe he's going to be out for some time, another quarterback that's banged up with injury. They they can finally move on from that guy next season. That's he has crazy. problems. There's no reason to stay with him. Move on. That's crazy. All right, I'm going to take the Steelers to win that game and, of course, cover the spread as well. Moving on into Sunday's game, the Carolina Panthers take on the New Orleans Saints. In New Orleans, the Saints, five-point favorites over Carolina. Yeah, I saw the Carolina Panthers play last Sunday. I'm going to take the New Orleans Saints in that game. I'd, I'd like to see Bryce Young get a victory, but I think with all the words coming out about Derek Carr right now, he's got to go out there and have a huge game, and if he doesn't, I don't know what the Saints are going to do at the end of this season. Are they going to swallow up that contract, or are they going to continue to ride with Derek Carr next season? Hopefully they continue to ride with him, and the Saints suck. But I'll take the Saints by five in that game easily. Yeah, by far. I mean, Panthers are just simply that bad. And Dennis Allen, he's another coach in the division with a hot seat. Arthur Smith as well. Todd Bowles, they're all hot right now. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams take on the Ravens and Baltimore. I think this was is pretty easy. You're going against the spread, though, Spence. Ravens are seven-point favorites at home. Yeah, I'll take the Ravens by by over seven in that game at home. Yeah, I'm going to ditto that. I think the Ravens are – I think they're going to be in the Super Bowl this year. I don't know if they win it, but I think they'll be there against San Fran. Uh, Indianapolis Colts take on the Bengals. The visiting Colts a one-point favorite over Cincy. Yeah, Cincy with a huge game last week. Jake Browning looked really good against the Jacksonville Jaguars defense, but I'm going to take the other squad in that one. I'm not taking the Bengals in this one. I'm taking the Bengals. They're going to be a one-point underdog at home. Give me Cincinnati. The Jaguars, we don't know as of right now. Trevor Lawrence's status, I'm going to guess that he's going to be out here on Sunday. They take on the Browns in Cleveland. The Cleveland Browns, three-point home favorites. Give me Joe Flacco. That sounds crazy. Yeah, Joe Flacco at home. He's back. He had an incredible game last week. Two passing touchdowns, over 200 yards. He looked pretty good, man. We turned back the clock like 10 years. I was like uh, 15 again. You were 12. So it yeah. was crazy. But uh, Detroit Lions take on the Bears in Chicago, and the Bears are three-point home underdogs. Yeah, Lions in that one easily. I don't know why that's a three-point spread. Something must have happened in terms of injuries or something, but – I don't think that game's going to be close. You know what it is. It's actually, remember the last time those two teams played, the Bears were up by 12, and they ended up blowing. I think I think Motor City Dan Campbell goes in there and sends a message to Chicago, takes him out by 15. 
Huge game. Yeah, you know what? I, I don't know about 15, but I'm going to take the Lions. It would be nice. They need some style points right now because some fans are like, hey, you know what? We thought Detroit was legit. They're still winning games, but they would like to do a little bit more. They were up big on the Saints. and They let the Saints yeah. come back into the game a little bit last week. So I am going to take the Lions and the three-point spread. Before we give our big prediction for the Buccaneer and Falcons game on Sunday, the last 1 o'clock game, Houston Texans at the Jets. It's C.J. Stroud against, uh, I believe it's Ripian. He's going to start a quarterback there for the Jets. Seriously, they got another one? Yeah, Texans five-and-a-half-point favorites, by the way. I'll take the Texans in that one uh, by far over five-and-a-half points. Obviously, Tank Dell out for the season, a huge injury for the uh, Houston Texans. It's going to be a tough game for C.J. Stroud trying to adjust without him against a really good defense. But regardless, it's the New York Jets offense. They suck. Feel bad for him, but hey, good good first-round pick next season if you keep losing out. Rodgers isn't coming back. Not sure if he ever was now. Was he blowing smoke the whole time? That's going to be the uh, the narrative for the rest of the season, but I'm going to take the Jets to lose in that one by over six points. Yeah, I, I also agree with that. All right, big game, NFC South, Tampa Bay, and Atlanta. The Falcons, two-and-a-half-point home favorites. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to be upset if the Bucs win, yeah, even though what I've already <laughs> already said – um, I'm excited if they win and I'm excited if they lose. That's my output right now in the season. If they win. Hey, they're in the, they're in first place. They're in first place in the division. Both teams would be three and one bucks would have the tiebreaker over Atlanta because they beat them last time. But if they lose into the season, go ahead and chalk it up. I'm going to take Atlanta in this one by three points. I think another three point victory for the Falcons. Uh, I'm going to take the Falcons to win. Man, I'm going to take the bucks to backdoor cover there. I think it's really close. Yeah. It might be like a one point game. The same thing is, is it's not like Atlanta's even good. So it could go either yeah. way. Atlanta yeah. sucks too. But best case scenario for next season is that Arthur Smith is the Atlanta Falcons head coach and Todd Bowles is packed his bags and he's down to college football or maybe a defensive coordinator role with one of those D-level teams. Yeah, we'll see how it all shakes out. He definitely will not be a head coach anymore. Seattle Seahawks at San Fran. The 49ers 10.5 point favorites on Sunday. That's high. I think that they just had a big game against the Eagles. I'm going to take San Fran in that game by seven. This is a big game. Obviously, Seattle and San Francisco has always gone at it. Um, Pete Carroll knows what this team can offer more so than any other team. I am going to take the Niners to win, but the Seahawks to backdoor cover in this one. Minnesota Vikings at the Raiders. The Raiders three-point home dogs. Give me the Raiders. I think the pass or not. Like I said a couple podcasts ago, if this guy loses – Everything's gone to shit, and sorry, and everything has gone that way right now. Uh, Josh Dobbs, I think, is already being written off. He's one of those quarterbacks that you see every two years where they come in, they ride the wave for three games, and then it's over, and that's what's going to happen. The Raiders and O'Connell are going to beat them. Ooh, that's tough. I, I don't know. I'm still going with the Vikings on the road. Three-point favorites. Give me that. Buffalo Bills and Kansas City. The Chiefs just two-and-a-half-point favorites after an interesting ball game this past Thursday night. Yeah, that'll be a good game. I'm going to take Buffalo in that one. Buffalo, Buffalo on the road to win. Yep. Okay, all right. Uh, that's tough. Eventually, we're going to see a, a Josh Allen breakout game where he doesn't turn the ball over and he looks. And he had a good game last time. The last, He scored me 42 in fantasy. He had a bye week this past week, though. I stand corrected. He did have a bye week this past week. All right, so the Denver Broncos at LA Chargers. The Broncos, three-point road dogs, the Chargers. Yeah, the Chargers suck. This will be a close game. Uh you said the Broncos are underdogs? Yep. <laughs> um, they are on the road. They are on the road, though. It's in L.A. L.A. has no LA has no home crowd. Have you seen their – whoever they're playing is the home team. I'm going to take the Broncos in that game. 
uh, by seven or more because the Chargers, they just beat the Patriots by six points, six to zero. Do I think they're a good team? No. Do they want Brandon Saylor to be the head coach next year? No. No. Lose. All right. I'm going to go. I'm with you on that. I'm going to go Sean Payton and the Broncos win that game. Uh, moving on now, Philadelphia Eagles at Dallas Cowboys. Both teams obviously in the same division. Cowboys are red hot. Eagles coming off of a brutal loss to San Francisco. The Cowboys, three and a half point favorites at home in Arlington. This is the point of the year every time where the, the Dallas Cowboys think that they're going all the way. They're going to win the Super Bowl. And this is where Dak Prescott throws it away. An angry Eagles team is going to go there and they're going to beat the Dallas Cowboys by seven to 10 points. Give me the uh, Eagles as well in this one. I think Dak Prescott has a good game, but I think it's too much for him to handle there with that defensive front in Philadelphia. Green Bay Packers at the Giants, the visiting Packers, six-and-a-half-point favorites. Yeah, I like the Packers. Jordan Love leads the NFL this season in, in games with three touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, he has four of those such games. So I'm going yep. to take the Packers, and I'm going to take your, your Jordan Love rookie card to just continue to keep rising in stock. Yeah, I'm hanging on to those for a little bit more. I'm going to go with the Packers and win by seven for sure. Hey, you know what? Those cards, they're that. I mean, if it was a Patrick Mahomes or that same exact card, it's worth hundreds. So I'm going yeah. to sit on it for a little while longer. I'm going to take the Packers as well. Final game, uh, moving on here, Monday Night Football, doubleheader, of course, that game. And then the Tennessee Titans at Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins, 13-point favorites at home. Dolphins put up a lot of points on bad teams. The Titans are a bad team. I'm going to take the Dolphins by even over 13 points in that game. They put up 35. They destroyed the team they played this week. Can't remember who it was, but they they destroyed them. Give me the Dolphins by 14 or more in this one. I'm going to go Dolphins as well. I think Tyreek Hill continues to work his magic. I wish they would get Jalen Waddle more involved, but hey, you know what? They're doing the thing even without him getting that involved. So uh, Tua just played the guitar on Manning Cast Monday Night Football. He's going to prevail at home on uh, Monday night this time around. Easily. All right, guys. That is uh, another edition of the podcast. Make sure to follow us on social media, obviously at L Savage Spence and then at the Chris Mathis. Check us out. More importantly, hit subscribe, like, comment down below. We welcome all of that, all the critiques on the college football playoff standing, what you like, what you didn't like, all of that. Thank you guys for keeping up. We'll talk to you next week.